I've been waiting two years to say this. Welcome back to the Be About It podcast. My name is Max Artsis, I am your host, and I brought on a legend for today, Devin Levesque. If you're one of the six people on Instagram who don't follow him, you've probably seen Devin sprinting, backflipping, or bear crawling at his gym performing's house. Devin's training for something that most of us would consider our worst nightmare. He's going to bear crawl, a full marathon, to bring awareness to mental health and his charity fit-ups. But there's so much more to this man. So I'm excited to bring you Devin Levesque. Did you get after it this morning? Were you bear crawling? Just three and a half. Just three and a half. Yeah, and I got four tomorrow, break Wednesday, four uh, Thursday, and then five Saturday. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like so wild. Like, Because the thing for me is you're bear crawling a marathon, which like right. for people that don't get the absurdity of that, in LA, that's like literally bear calling from Venice to Long Beach. Yeah. Or in New York, it's like Yankee Stadium to the Statue of Liberty and back. Yeah. So like you have to take me. I, I just need to better understand like where this, because from what I understand, so correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You're shooting a campaign for your, for Jim Shark. Yeah. And this dude, Ross Edgley, who I looked him up, this guy <laughs> swam around Britain in 157 yeah. days. Yeah, he's a freak. So, like, I'm already disqualifying half the thing he says because I realize this guy's batshit crazy. Yeah. And he's the one that, like, tells you you should be bear crawling a marathon? Yeah. Um, Wait, how does this, like, what's what's the story behind? Like, how did you guys have this conversation? Yeah, so it kind of just goes back to, like, social media and, like, just talking about, like, why people are posting and, like, you know, like what their purpose is. And like, you know, I think everyone in life is trying to find their purpose in general, like whether it's what job they're going to do, how they're going to help people, you know, what they're going to do in general, um, who are they going to impact, so on and so forth. And we started getting deep into like social media. And do you struggle with that on your social specifically? Well, not what, like getting caught up in it? Well, I just feel like who you are as a human being is, um, I don't know that, it is a hundred percent portrayed the man behind the absurd shit that you do to your body. And I'm yeah. sure that's like a very intelligently thought out marketing plan for why you've grown your social the way it is. Well, but like yeah. when I first met you, man, I didn't know what to expect. Right. I was like, here's this yeah. pretty boy that is crushing his body doing all this ridiculous shit. And then I come in and you're like the most humble, you know, welcoming person. And it's Thank like, you. there's this an immediate um, sense of ease when you have a conversation, but I didn't get that from your social at all. Yeah. So, so when like, like we just looked at social media in general and like, you know, people, everyone's like focusing on like the filters and like how many likes they're getting and like, okay, let's go take a picture in front of a Ferrari and like, um, like, oh, this is so cool. Let's show people that we're, I don't know, like people just do that. Right. Like you see people just like, they want the clout. They like want to look cool, I guess, or whatever. And and on social media. And I was like, we were just going back and forth about it. And And I've always kind of been against, like, to be honest, like the whole social media, like the reasoning behind a lot of people with their social media. And like, for me personally, social media always came second. Like I was in the restaurant industry for a long time. I was in the nightclub industry before I was even like had a following on Instagram. Like I was always focused on like the brick and mortar business or just a business in general, not even using Instagram. And then Instagram came later. So like you have a good product, Instagram can be a a solid asset for you. 
But I think a lot of people do it backwards. They try to build the social media and they have a shitty product, mm. you yeah. know? And so, and so that's kind of what we were getting into. And that's so, that's like so true where they you just know? don't even try to master something. You just want to have the clout without having any of the mastery. They, they just want like a following. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like why, like how are you going to change people's lives or help people out if, if you just have a following? Like, I just think it's like ass backwards. I think you have to have a really solid product before you start like trying to build a following, you know, yeah. or even like worry about the following. I think it's, and I think now social media has been around like for so long and like, you know, there was MySpace, Facebook, now Instagram, TikTok, you know, whatever there is, right? All this new stuff coming out. I think people are starting to see through all the bullshit and they really want to follow someone's actual story rather yeah. than like, oh, they just went into it, you know, this Instagram house or TikTok or whatever it is, or, or, you know, oh, they have like a million followers. That's so cool. People see past that shit. They're like, all right, so what are they doing with their following? I think COVID opened that up. What people are actually doing something with their following? Were they helping make an impact on Black Lives Matter? Were they helping make an impact on people that lost their jobs from COVID? Were they helping make an impact just in general with their following? Or are they just fucking worrying about their filter on Instagram? And that's yeah. what I don't agree with. And so this, like we came up with this, Ross and I, not just for that, but like, it was definitely like a little behind it. Like, yo, do something to make a change. And I've never been at a point in my career where I can actually make a change. Cause you know, whether I was struggling, I was on un unemployment like five years ago, right? Like right. you go through all these battles, um, like throughout your career. And I just wasn't, it was hard for me to give back money. I mean, I, I would try to give back time as much as possible, but I'm talking about like money. And so this year, my goal was to just make a difference on taking time out of my day and also raising money at the same point. I was kind of like, and this was even before COVID. COVID actually somewhat helped out in the situation because I could, I got some time back during the day where I could actually really, you know, focus on BearCon. So it goes back to the fact of Ross has done every, every crazy thing and, and, um, uh, I don't know, award that he's gotten and whatnot to like breaking records. And he's always done it for a charity, whether he pulled a car during a marathon to raise money for his better cancer, buddy who had cancer. Um, there's always like something behind his reasoning. Right. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something. And, and he kind of convinced me, he's like, bear crawl, bear crawl marathon. I'm like, that's, it's fucking impossible. Like you can <laughs> not do it. And I mean, I haven't done it yet. Right. But like, I've gotten up to 13 miles. I'm fuck. I'm training super hard. I'm like doing everything that you could potentially do in a scenario like this. Um, but I want to do it to raise money for FitOps. And the reason I chose FitOps, um, Ross always explains it in, the, in a great way. You have intrinsic and, extrin and extrinsic motivators, right? Intrinsic is like, you know, something that drives you, something that doesn't affect anyone else. People may not even know about it, but internally in your mind, you know, you've gone through something or, you know, you've seen something or whatever, and that drives you to do something, right? And that was... My father committed suicide when I was 16 um, and kind of, and, and, and noticing and, and dealing with his like mental health battles and just seeing the struggle he was going through, like, holy shit, that was like very depressing to watch. And was then he a veteran? No, he was not. No, he, he was just, he was, he was like a, a business owner. He, you know, going through a divorce, you know, um, 
and, and just had a lot of weight on his shoulders. It was 2008. Right. So the economy was somewhat crashing. Like right. there's just a lot of things that were going through him. So, you know, he had a whole family to you know provide for and this and that. Right. So I think a lot of people are in that scenario where they have to, but some people just get burnt out and they just can't fucking handle it. But then when they're at that breaking point, what we've learned growing up is like, whatever, just like, just deal with it or fuck it. Let's just go grab a beer or, you know what I mean? Like you learn not to talk about it. And when you don't talk about it, that's the issue. That's when you're just like, fuck this and you off yourself. Right. And so that's, that's an issue. And people don't realize that's an issue and people don't realize how many people are actually going through the keeping their mouth shut just because, you know, they've gone through something and they don't think anyone else cares. The biggest thing that's happened to me over the last 12 months is me actually expressing this. If I talked to you 12 months ago, there's no shot I would have even been able to express it to you or talk to you about it. Cause I was just embarrassed. I was like, I don't think anyone needs to know about this. And like, it started to fuck with me mentally or like, I didn't even realize it, but my buddies did. And they're like, dude, you're just acting like a dick or like, yo, you don't listen to people or, you know, you're just like in this tunnel vision. I'm like, yeah, like no one needs to know my problems. I'm just doing my thing. Right. And people go through that. Right. Um, and so that's, I want, that's really what I want to bring awareness to it. It's something that happened to my dad that I witnessed. And I was just like, this is not like, no one should ever have to witness this deal with anyone in their life that's going through it. They should be able to help them. And so bringing awareness to helping people in that extrinsically, um, is fit ops, right? Fit ops is, was founded by Matt Hesse, my partner at performance and, you know, he was a veteran and I went to the camp one time last year and like there's 50, there's about 50 veterans in this camp, all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, you name it. They're there. Genders. Everyone's there. 50 people. There's over a thousand person. I think actually over 2000 person waiting list now just to get in this camp. We basically take veterans, put them through a three week training course. They come out certified trainers and we place them in jobs and we, they have lifetime support. Um, and so I went to the camp. And it's not just a certification. It's like them letting out like what they've gone through. Right. right. And so right when I heard that and I, I found out how many people were committing suicide from veterans, which is about 25 a day. I was like, this, this could be it. Like, let me, I want to raise money, bring awareness to mental health, bring awareness to suicide prevention, fit ops stuff I've gone through. That's my intrinsic and uh, you know, have at it. So you have four sisters Yep. you're a teenager at the time when all this happens. Like, yep. what, how did that switch in you, right? Because obviously your dad went through a lot, but then what happens to you when all that yeah. happened? Yeah, I I was never into like, obviously, you know, drinking. You know, you're, you're a high school kid, you'd steal your parents' like or whatever. Um, I was never into drugs. I was never into like, I, I was never getting arrested or things like that. I was more just like, I think, lost, right? Like he was my best friend. I mean, I was with him every day working um at his he owned a construction company so like after school i'd meet up with him he was my football coach he was my baseball coach he was every coach every basketball coach like every coach you can imagine like he's always on the field court uh field right like helping me out and so literally my best friend mentor you know hero does this and so you're just like fuck and and i think I think what like a kind of analogy for people that have never experienced it um, is a lot of people that were maybe close to Kobe Bryant. Right. And like, you know how, like that feeling you got, you're like, damn, like that's my fucking hero. Like I've witnessed this guy my whole life. And like, he's always like been there to like make the shot or um, you know, been there to win the game or he's just like that guy 
people that are involved in sports or whatever always look up to, right? And then he dies tragically. And then you're just like, fuck. And so for that like day, those like two days that everyone felt is like how I felt for the past 10 years. Cause I'm just like, fuck, like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Like, this is, I don't, I don't even know what to do with my life anymore. Um, I never like thought of committing suicide. I never like got down that road, but it was just like, just finding myself. And so I ended up moving in. I didn't switch school districts um, to go live with my mom. So I, I had like kind of a falling out with my mom at the time. I just like stopped talking to her. Blame. I don't know what it was. Um, so I moved in with my best friend. Um, and then I ended up getting sent to a military academy. And you were just being a dick. Know, they were like, you need to get out of here. It, it, honestly, I wasn't, it wasn't me being a dick. Like, I don't think I just like, didn't care. I was just, I would focus on sports and like do my thing, but like, I just like, didn't care. Like I was like, getting the best grades. I was just like, you know, like I was lost. There's also like no playbook for someone, something like that happens. Right. Yeah, so I was just like, and what we as now? men are not supposed to talk about a whole lot of this stuff. So right. that, you know, one of my <laughs> best friends, uh, Brian Nunez, who's a, a, a well-known coach in the industry, um, went through something somewhat similar to you. And the interesting parallel that I see between the two of you is your work ethic. You guys Thank both you. bring an energy and a work ethic that I think is not something I really see every day. Like I don't, I don't no. see it ever. Um, and when people always ask you like, where do you get the energy from? Is that a sense of mortality that you understand better than we do? Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I went through something that like, I don't think could ever compare to it in my entire life. And so I feel like that was like the worst and there's only up from there. Like, I was like, I don't know what else could get worse than this. Like, I'm like, there, it has to get better, you know, and people depend on me. I'm the only guy in the family. Like people are clearly looking at me. So there was that dependability. There was that sense of like, it only can get better from here. So now I'm like trying to put out positive energy into the world. I think like naturally, just because like I'll never go back to there. Like I don't know, you know what I mean. And so, mm -hmm. and then, and then you almost get into like, okay, it's up to me now. Like I got to figure it out. Um, I've always had a really strong work ethic, and that came from my dad because I would just like wake up really early with him in the morning ever since I was probably literally eight, nine years old. And just he was like a bodybuilder, right? He was a. He did that as a hobby. He was a weightlifter. Dude, my dad did that too. But yeah. I think I went the opposite way. He would like wake me up at <laughs> six or seven in the morning when I was like nine. And I'd be like, bro, I just want to play my video yeah. games. Like, let me sleep in. I do not want to go downstairs and do preacher curls with you at nine years old. Like, you need to leave me alone. <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to play video games. I never had it. And so that's that was like my option. Or that or like going out on the trampoline or going outside and riding the horses or whatever. I grew up on a, like a farm. Um, and so, yeah, I was always outside. I was always doing like active stuff. I was always waking up early, chopping wood, you know, helping him out at a job site, cutting down, whatever it is. Um, and so I was always like active and always like trying to impress him. But then I was also like the boss's son. And I never, he always told me like, you're going to always get looked at differently because you're like the boss's son. He's like, so you have to work that much more harder. Um, and I think that's carried out into like kind of what I do. I always, I always think about it, whether I know Barry Stern, Lacoon, and Starwood, whether I know Matt Hesse, whether I own Jimmy Diaco and Super Coffee, any, any, whether it's Ben Francis or Noel who and Gymshark, any company I'm involved with, I always know that CEO, right? And that always makes me feel want to work harder. 
You know what I mean? Because people know I have that relationship. That doesn't mean I get to slack. It means I actually have to work harder in my eyes. Some people are like, ah, fuck it. I know the CEO. I can slack off. I can do what I want. Not for me. It's like I have to work 10 times harder than everyone else. So they can never, ever even have the chance to say something. So I've always had that, I think, my entire life. Um, But yeah, then, you know, I kind of got into tunnel vision. I'm like, okay, I'm at this military academy. I hated it. I then started to like it because I started to excel in sports a little bit. Um, started to get scholarships here and there. Um, it was probably the best thing that happened to me was like getting shipped out and like being able to focus on myself and not dealing what with all daily the- habits that you developed there have served you best since being back here. I think attention to detail is yeah. big. I think, um, you know, get, getting in like a routine, understanding like what, what you're doing the next day, understanding like you have to give yourself like an hour. We always had like, I think three hour study hall at night what I do with that. So attention to detail, I'm very like OCD. Everything I do is like, has, whether it's a camera angle for, for content, for a sponsor, whether it's my house, whether it's um, making lists for business, whether it's going into performance and making sure that's all tidied up. Like that's, that's where the attention to detail comes from in regards to like structure. I like having a routine. I literally have Jade, my assistant. I look at my schedule every day and I follow it to a T whether it's eating whether it's sleeping, whether it's what, what time I have dinner, whether it's a meeting, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, I look at it at tea and I follow that to the tea. Um, and then I think the study hall part, having like two, three hours set aside a day to set up for your next day. I always do that at night, as you can see on my board. That room is sick. That room is wild. <laughs> Thanks. It's my, uh, my little office. Um, I appreciate it. Um, and so then I think every day, um, like the night before I like to get set up for the next day. So putting kind of a list together of, you know, what I'd like to accomplish the next day. And so I think those three things help me carry over into like real life. When you look at all the things that you've started, which you started at like a crazy young age, right? Like you had failed yeah. more by 23, 24 than most of us have by 35, <laughs> 36. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> what, what does that teach you about yourself? Well, I think when I, I, I think one, it's like, it's okay to take risks. You know what I mean? Like you you should be hungry and like the more shots you take, um, the better. Right. But now at like my age now, I realize like, okay, they're more calculated risks rather than just like, fuck it. I'm going to get up and go work over here. You know what I mean? Cause I've done that before and it backfired and I was like, shit. And I went back to my old boss and I, begged for a new job and he didn't give it to me. And I was like, that's a big learning experience. I won't, I won't leave randomly for another job again. So like, I'll never do that unless it's a very calculated risk. So that makes you think twice. Right. Um, I think also like setting up for the future rather than just looking at, okay, what am I going to make next week or next month? It's like, okay, how is this going to impact my financials, my, my balance, my well-being five years from now. Will this make when sense? You, when you were at the nightclub and then became a partner at a restaurant, um, yeah. and that went sideways for you sideways. pretty quickly. Yeah. Like what happened? What, <laughs> like, you don't, you don't have to yeah. go through, you only have to go so, you know, yeah. in detail as you want to, but like what yeah. happened that made that go sideways and, and, and yeah. how um, did you come out the other end of that? Well, I was at the nightclub for like three and a half years with like the biggest guys in the restaurant game, right? Like EMM group. They owned Catch. They owned Finale at the time. Lexington they, Brass. They're the ones they that owned, started Rumble, right? Correct. Yeah, Eugene. 
Um, and so I was with him for like, um, him and this guy, Darren for like three years. And that was just like under their wing. They were introduced me to everyone. Um, I was a 21 year old kid running around New York, really allowed to do what I wanted at all these nightclubs, restaurants. Like, and you've been confined been, to the military for, yeah. for so long. So you are yeah. let loose. So I, was having, I was having a fun time. I was meeting a ton of people, a lot of hospitality, um, you know, just putting myself out there. And I, I, I always, I never like gave up an opportunity. So if someone was like, yo, come meet us for dinner. And it was 11 PM at night. I'll be like, done there. Like I always wanted to be there to just keep building my network. I'm a farm boy. From New that's Hampshire. So I didn't know anyone. Important. Dude, yeah. I used to say this to people. I was like, no great story I ever started with. So I was sitting on my couch. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Or, Hey, so I was eating a salad, right? Like you're always, <laughs> you're always doing something nutty. Um, and so I, I saw like, I saw almost like a ceiling, I think in the nightclub industry, I was like, what's next? I'm 22, 23 years old. I'm already a general manager of this restaurant. I'm running the whole thing, whether it's payroll, staffing, hiring, firing, scheduling, selling tables, you know, whatever it is dealing with it all. It's like, what the hell is next? You know what I mean? And next is owning your own place. And so I had an opportunity. Um, the biggest thing I learned from that opportunity, because I'm not going to get into it uh, too much, but if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm really pumped that I learned that. Especially when you're 22 and probably gullible and looking for any. Oh, dude, I was like, I'm going to be a king of the world. This is going to be awesome. I'm like, this is like. I was, to, I was to the point, I'm like, we're going to have 150 locations, you know, in the next four years, like well, this is happening. Um, and it didn't. It's such you know? a hard lesson to learn is that yeah. people don't have the same intentions that you do. Yeah. Like that's such 100%. a hard business lesson to learn where you go, this guy is the man. I don't understand why this wouldn't work. And yeah. then you realize they have completely different ulterior motives than you do. It messes with your head. worked. But I feel like you need that, right? You need that to gain those street smarts to be like, okay, I've been through that before. I'm not going to let that happen. Then the next time someone gives you a contract that lets you have 5% of the company, but there's these small words, three quotes down that allow you to be diluted to 1% without you having a clue about it. You pick that stuff up every now and then. Exactly. You you hit it like right on the head. And so that's kind of what happened to me. And I was just like, shit. And so then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, do I go beg for my job back? Do I do my own thing? I didn't have any money at the time. It's not like I, you know, had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank to just go start my own thing. You know, I was like, okay, I ended up going on unemployment. I was like, fuck, okay, now what? Um, and then this guy from the restaurant, it was like really weird how it happened, but he was like, yo, I'm going through a divorce. I need your help. And I was like, yeah, I was always very hospitable. Like, it, even if they were just at the restaurant, like, I would always just sit down and, like, talk to people at the restaurant or, you know, even go to another restaurant with them and chat or just go out or whatever. Um, and so I was like, yeah, man, what's up? He's like, dude, you know, I'm really depressed. You know, I'm not, not feeling like myself. I'm, like, 70 pounds overweight, which he was. Um, you know, he just wasn't going in the right direction. And he's like, can you just come work out with me? He's like, I think that'll help me. I'm like, sure. And then he's like, just let me know what I can, what I can pay you for this. And at that time, I'm like, I mean, I'm not a fucking trainer. Like, I don't, 
I, I mean, you, I've worked out my entire life, like college sports, yeah, parents, grandfather, like I've been surrounded and like on the field training my entire life. So I'm like, yeah, come work out. I know like what form needs to look like, what exercises are going to fix this issue. You know, what cardio means versus strength training. Like I knew all the basics and like, and then some, and so I was like, yeah, let's go. And then three months, the guy lost like 70 pounds. He like dropped it. And he's like, holy shit. His whole life changed. He got a new girlfriend. And I like changed this guy's life. Um, How wild like, is that? It's like the coolest thing. I was like, this is dope. I was like, you know, this is really cool. And, and it's uh, funny too, because people talk to me all the time about the professional athletes I train and the Olympians and stuff. And I'm like, it's stories like that. Yeah. Uh, dude, I have this right here note from when i left uh nike yeah um and it's not from a professional athlete it's from someone that works there oh sick and it is front to back four pages handwritten of how i changed your life and i just keep it above my computer because it gives dude it gives me chills every time i look at it and i'm like i love the people that i train don't get me wrong the athletes right. and how cool it is but to be able to give somebody that kind of confidence in who they are as a human being when they didn't have that before you. Yeah. It's the most wild experience ever. Dude, it was, it was really, it was like very rewarding. Um, and then another person hit me up and another, and then I started like posting a little bit to Instagram. And then it was, again, it was never Instagram that built it. This guy didn't know me from Instagram. He knew me from the restaurant industry and then another restaurant person. And now it's just my network that I built up over the past five years, six years, seven years now in the nightclub industry. And I just knew these people and they were just reaching out and they're like, dude, you're training. I heard, you know, you're training this guy. Can you come train me? I'm like, sure. And so then at that point, I'm like, well, don't need unemployment anymore. This is kind of (laughs) cool. And it just started snowballing, snowballing, snowballing. Then seven, eight, nine months into it, I'm pretty busy. You know, I'm probably doing 15, 20 sessions a week, which is solid. I got to set my rate. I was like, this is great. I'm working for myself. I don't have to fucking worry about anyone right now. I get to focus on these people, change their lives. I still have time for my girlfriend. I still have time to do my own thing. This is awesome. Then my buddy hit me up and he was like, her, I was sorry. I was in the bar. Now he's my buddy, but I was in a bar and my buddy introduced me to this guy, DJ. And DJ came up to me and he's like, yo man like I see you working out in the gym he's like you do the craziest workouts and I'm like thanks man I just I don't know I just get bored of like you know the normal bench and stuff I did that in college in my whole life I just like doing flips and just trying weird stuff and he's like dude you gotta start posting that and I'm like I don't think people want to see that man <laughs> and I was like I kind of put him off uh, this is like DJ Sack and he's like world around NBA trainer and you know he trained he's huge um, trains all over the world. And he like hit me up again and he's like, dude, I'm telling you, start posting your stuff. And so I started posting it and a couple of the videos started to get like more and more traction. I was like, cool. And, but it was just like, I wasn't putting an edit to it. I wasn't like, it was just like me doing weird stuff, you know, and yeah. like just workouts. I naturally do. I, w- I didn't really care if like it got like, and I think it's or- also such an important delineation to make too, because in this like overly functional world, right. Where right. we're, dissecting everybody cancel culture people are being like he's everything he's doing is stupid and it's not functional and it's like maybe if you did that with every one of your clients you can have that you know opinion 
But if you just want to throw yourself through some ridiculous shit just because you physically can and you're bored, like it's nobody else's business. Like it's dope. And most of the people that say that are probably just jealous that they can't do it themselves. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, if you were doing some ridiculous shit with a mom who had never trained before, of course, I'm going to be like, this guy's an asshole. Yes. For you to throw yourself through whatever it is that you want to do is none of my business. And <laughs> thank it's you. just so absurd to me that you dig through some of these, you know, everyone has a voice now, right? Because of social media back in the day, right? I would talk to, <laughs> I talked to some of my athletes about this. Back in the day, if someone wanted to send you hate mail, they had to write a letter, send it to you. And then you had to make the conscious decision to open that letter and read it. Now yeah. you can post anything and I can go, this guy's a slap deck. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. I don't understand why he does this. And it's like, it's his body. He can physically do it. You can't. He's yeah. not doing this to other people. So just mind your fucking business and have a lovely it's, day. Dude, it blows my mind that people go around and they voice their opinion. One, when they're probably not even educated on it. Two, they're not me. I know I've been doing this physically. I have pictures of me doing chin-ups when I was three. I've been physically doing gymnastics, football, basketball, baseball, track and field, ballet, since I was, could I walk? I've, I've always, I've, I know what my body, I've been bear crawling around my house since I was like five. That was just my thing. Instead of sucking on a thumb when you're a kid, I was just bear crawling around. So when people look at me like, how can you bear crawl a marathon? I'm like, I've been doing it for the past 20 years of my life. I've just, I just understand the movement. Um, same thing with backflip, same thing with like throwing medicine. Like I understand my body more than anyone ever will. And so the fact that people do go around, I mean, I don't know. That's, I guess that's on them. It Honestly, it bothers me like a tiny, 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 tiny bit, but I'm just like, uh, I don't care. Well, I think your PT that you, I read this um, in an article somewhere where he, Dr. Chow said repeated exposures to progressive stress and recovery is essentially how you want to program, especially for your bear crawl. But yeah, yeah. when you look at that holistically, that's just you doing this for your whole life, right? Like yeah, you wouldn't be exactly. doing what you were doing today when you were three. But if you've been compounding interest since you yeah. were two or three years old, what you're right. If I've been saving a dollar a day since I was three and you started at 26, yeah. I'm just going to have more capacity for money than you are. So great way to put it. It's just absurd that people that hide behind books or just don't comment. do anything in real life oh, are just like, I, blows I don't my mind. But yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you start getting into performance. Yeah, and yeah. The, one of the big things that I talk to people about is like, just because you're passionate about training does not mean you should open a gym. Correct. Right. Because now all of a sudden you're the electrician and you're yep. the plumber and you are the greeting person and you're the janitor and you are the money man and you are all these different things. What are some of these lessons you started to learn as you've been running performance house? Yeah, so I, I, I've always, even when going into the training game, I never went in as a trainer. I was never like, I'm going to get as many certifications as I can. Like, I have this degree in that. And kudos to all the people that do. That's awesome. I just, I just never had, like, an interest for it. I was like, I love working out. I love putting my body through crazy stuff. I know the basics of everything. Um, if people want to work out with me, cool. But, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, I don't even really... I have like an online certification, but I never like went through the whole shebang, right? I was always business. Business and marketing was my thing in college. Um, it, even though I dropped out as a junior, 
I love the whole business side of it, understanding a P&L sheet, understanding marketing behind it, how people think when they buy things, how people act. And, you know, is the product actually good? Are they going to come back? Are they returning customers? Um, how are they going to buy it? How many times do they have to see something before they buy it? Like all those things are way more interesting to me than getting a certification or certifications or a degree in training. And so even when I opened Don't Be a Pig and launched Don't Be a Pig, which is a meal prep and training company, I, I like stepped back from training and I was like, okay, let's see, you know, how our food costs can get lowered. How many trainers can we get out in New York today? You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of how my mindset was. And that's what I think Matt saw when, you know, we did the merge of Don't Be a Pig and Formix um, and I dissolved Don't Be a Pig. Is like, you know, I'm much more business oriented than, you know, I guess your typical trainer. Um, and so well, every single business that I've seen or training gym that I've seen that has succeeded, you have someone that handles the training and you have someone that handles the business. And it yeah. just does not work if you don't have that second person. Yeah, it doesn't. You have to have it. Um, and we owe a lot to like Chris Howell, obviously. He's like, he's like business, business, like more financials, operations. I'm more like marketing, creative. Um, and then you have Matt who, you know, founded it and, um, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's a good combination for a recipe. Right. Um, and so, yes, you're right. In regards to the electrician, in regards to, you know, uh, your, your payroll in regards to your scheduling, honestly, to be totally honest, it's a fucking walk in the park compared to a restaurant. Running a gym is much, much easier than a restaurant. A restaurant has so many different moving parts in regards to where you're getting food. Your food spoils. Now what? Your chef calls out, you have a big issue in the restaurant industry with chef. In the gym industry, having a GM, your turnover rate's not that high. He's probably going to stay with you for a year, two years, three years. Your chef, I went through seven chefs in one restaurant. The guys just quit. They have a drug addiction. They smoke cigarettes in the restaurant. They get, like, you go through so many issues in a restaurant. The child in the corner is crying. The napkins didn't come out clean. You know, people are stealing tips. People are giving away beer for free. There's so many issues. Training and a gym, it's pretty basic, right? You, you have your front of staff, you have your back of staff, you have your trainers, depending on what your, what your, um, what your model is, that changes gym to gym, Equinox, Crunch, you know, Lifetime Fitness, Performance House, Dog Pound, whatever it is, it all changes. Um, and that's up to you. But the basics of yeah, okay, you gotta get your electric or, you know, your TV's not working or this, or that. I, I went through all that. So it didn't, it didn't stress me out as much as maybe most people would just because I was so used to the nonsense that you deal with um, nightclub or restaurant. I mean, I remember times in the nightclub where the DJ wouldn't show up. And so I would have to go up there and just fucking figure it out on the turntables or, you know, the guy that's supposed to be running the lights. Now Devin's the light manager and I'm like, I'm like fixing the lights and like, it's going crazy. You got the strobe coming. I'm like, all right, trying to like, you know, like it's just so it's two completely different um, atmospheres. I feel like leadership and emotional intelligence are such large topics right now. When yeah. you look at which, especially right in the fitness industry is very machismo driven, like masculine driven. Yeah. Um, where have you seen people succeed and fail and how are you guys handling your own ethos as a leadership? Yeah. So I think like a big tip just for like leaders out there in general is like, there's no job too small. And 
one thing, one quote, I guess that always hits me is like, everyone wants a CEO position, but never does a CEO work. Right. So like, I think the no job is too small, right? Like you should be able to go mop the bathroom or, you know, fill up the, the tissues and um, whatever it is in the gym to like make it successful. And, you know, Oh, there's trash on the floor, pick it up. Right. Like that's a leader doing the CEO work without being the CEO or having CEO title um, is helping again, maybe on a higher level um, and just doing the work without being asked. Right. Um, whether it's generating more revenue for the facility, whether it's uh, really going out and trying to get more members, whether it's um, going out and doing something that's going to help the bottom line of the business. That's what like the CEO part is. And I think when people realize like doing without asking and like giving back more than taking, it's like, it's just going to set you ahead that much more. The amount of people that I've met throughout my career that come in and, you know, they maybe see, you know, myself a little successful and they're like, well, I, I know you're making this much. I want to make that much. I'm like, you can't, like, you can't, like, we haven't even seen what you can do. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Like you have to prove yourself in a business. Like you can't just come in and demand stuff. It's, it blows my mind that people do that. But um, in regards to like, ethos, do you think that goes back to the social thing? Like it's just a cultural problem that we have right now. Yeah. I think millennials in general, I, I, was brought up in a very strict like work-oriented household i think some of these millennials that grew up no offense playing video games or now have a camera and start taking photos and th- feel entitled to well this photographer is making 500 an hour i need that's not real it's not it's not tangible it's not unless you are physically putting photos on the front of a magazine or you're at that 0.01 percentile of the entire industry you can't go in demanding prices it just blows my, especially with like this millennial of social media, uh, photography, videography. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not real. Like it's, 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 I think it's very temporary. And now apps are coming out. Content careers are dime a dozen. Like, but everyone is all of a sudden a videographer and photographer and demands like yeah. $200 an hour or whatever it is. And you're just like, it, it almost comes it back does. to the extrinsic versus intrinsic. <laughs> motivation of why you're doing it like I remember when I first started at Nike um I remember I I thought in my heart of hearts that I was asking the right questions and working my ass off right so like my work history like I started I was in the lighting fixture factory with my dad at 10 years old I was in the back putting together lighting fixtures for my dad on the weekends to make money (laughs) so like I know about like you know what I mean just like all the way through I sold insurance for a year it was the worst year ever I'd made 300 cold calls a day and canvas 20 oh, businesses God. right like you do those things that give you skills that a lot of people don't have nowadays yeah and i remember when i got to nike i kept asking everybody what do i need to do to become a nike master trainer like how do i become a nike and i thought in my heart of hearts like i was doing the right things and it wasn't until i got there that i realized that what instead of asking all these questions what i should have just done was figured out how to be the greatest fucking trainer on the planet and then yeah. they would have come to me exactly and so like that is kind of like, I feel like what you're talking yeah. about. It's just like it's create exactly mastery what of what you're doing. And then exactly. other people will come be like, oh, dude, what is, what are you doing? I want to be yeah. a part of that. You have to trust the process. And I know everyone says it, but like, you truly have to just like, if you're passionate about something, then be passionate about it and, and continue to be passionate and trust the process and be patient with it and enjoy the process. Because yeah, you'll probably get that big check at the end of the day, five years from now, but that's going to happen 
one time and for you're going to have gratification for one hour and you're going to be like, holy shit, what about the five years leading up to it that you were miserable for? Why not be happy for five years, maybe six years now, and then receive that big check? It's going to happen, right? If you're passionate enough and you work hard enough, it's going to happen. Hands totally. down. But come talk about it with some of our, our baseball guys, like uh, our reliever pitchers. Yeah. yeah. Like I asked him, I was, what percentage of your career are you actually pitching in a game? And he's like, dude, maybe 2%. And I was like, cool. So if you don't love the grind of the the mental stress, the work, everything else you're doing for 98% of your life, you're going to be miserable. Exactly. That's like that. Again, that's a great analogy. Man. <laughs> you're, you're banging them out today. I, I think try, dude. I, I paint pictures. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, dude, I, I really think people don't enjoy the process as much as they should. I, you know, I think they want to get to like this end goal, but like, I know a lot of people at the end goal, whether they're, you know, the ultimate health freaks, right. Uh, or they have so much money that they don't even know what to do with it. Or they live in the most prestigious place in the world. Dude, they're now there after 50 years of their life but they have to enjoy those 50 years because now you really only have 30, 40 left. And so much of it is defining what your personal definition of success is, right? Not me trying to go after your definition of success or vice versa. Because I feel like I did that for a really long time. And there's no right definition, but if you're doing someone else's definition, then there's definitely a wrong one. Right. And I don't think I realized until my, my buddy was said to me, he goes, hey, I need to let you know something and like, don't take this the wrong way. Nobody cares. They're all worried about themselves. As soon as you leave the room, I'm not saying like nobody cares about you, but nobody cares about you. They're all worried about whatever the hell that is that they're doing. So if you're doing anything to chase clout, or if you're doing anything to impress other people, they're not thinking about you. Yeah. Thinking about themselves. So you might as well just do whatever the hell makes you happy. Like that was such a game changing conversation for me. I love that. And so you realize very quickly that what we're searching for might be asked backwards. Yes, completely asked backwards. And, and that, and it goes back to like the, just like enjoying the process, man. Like, ah, just pisses me off when people don't enjoy the process and they like, they want something so bad, but they're like not willing to wait. Or they're like, I've waited six months. I'm like, yeah, that's not long enough. <laughs> you know, like not or show value or show value, man. Like I, I, it's just crazy that, you know, people do go into a company um or into my life like demanding things like just feel obligated to it i'm like if i I read this in a book sometime if you're if you're like struggling at work or you're like worried that you're gonna get fired or you know you haven't got the raise you want go and show more value show make someone else's life that is higher up than you make it easier make their life easier and i guarantee that that what you want is going to come to you. And if it's not, then that's definitely not the right job for you. But I feel like that's such a hard thing to learn too, because most of the time when you send like someone that's higher up an email, it's how can I help you? But all you're doing is giving them a burden of having to figure out how you can help them. Yeah. So you're just just adding more, you're actually adding more to their plate instead of saying, Hey, I see that you have this problem. I have this value. Let me do this for you. And then you just lay it out. Like when I started pitching to a couple other companies, like one of the hardest examples of what I had to do was put together a deck without ever meeting them of saying, (laughs) this is where I see your mission statement is. This is where I see your value in five years. This is how I can help you get there. Most people like don't go through that. They want you to tell them. 
So it's like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Devin, how can I help you grow Performix? Now you have to go somewhere and sit and think about how you can utilize ah, my right, asset. Right. And yeah, I just like, add to more to your, yeah. to your plate. Yeah, Other than it's me crazy. just like guessing. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But at least, you know, I took the initiative. Yeah, or like ask forgiveness later. Just do it and, and like, fuck, they might be pissed. Or like, why'd you do that? And maybe you're wrong. 50-50 chance that you're wrong or right. But if you're wrong, okay, sorry. Can I, you know, I'm sorry. I'll try again. Okay. You know, like ask, at least you tried. You know, like people are out there afraid to try or afraid to like take the risk or afraid to like just go do it. Dude, I've failed so much this year and last year and my entire life. Like there's just so many things that like a deal didn't go through or, you know, they didn't hire me or, you know, I wasn't good enough for the position or I wasn't good looking enough or I wasn't tall Get enough. Get out of here. That's it. not true. We Dude. both know that's not true. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> happens all the time. It's fucking, it's weird. And it's a weird feeling you get inside you. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, failure is like, it's just like inevitable. You're going to, but that's, that's what helps you, you know. Do you think that stronger. proactive value piece is like the biggest imparting wisdom you want to give? Cause like, so the reason why this is called the be about it podcast yeah. we were in, I was in a house with four other guys up in Portland, Oregon. When I lived up there. A, a, a TikTok house. No, it was not. A, it was Nike house. So <laughs> like it might, it's just as bad. I don't know. Um, anytime someone would say something that they were doing, like our go-to would just be, don't talk about it, be about it. I don't want to hear it. Like until you've converted, until you've made it happen, I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. Dude, so true. I think what I would give away to this whole podcast is um, like, don't make excuses and enjoy the process. Because the process is the fun part. That's like the majority of the time, just like you said with that 98% and 2% of the baseball, you know, as they're pitching, right? Like he's only pitching 2% of the time. It's the same thing with success. It's only that like end two percent. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, it's cool. Um, we're all striving for that, like you know, whatever your definition of success is. But that process, no one talks about that process. That is a wrap for the first episode back of the Be a Bad It podcast. Enjoy the process. I love it. Uh, thank you to Devin for coming on. If you want to follow his journey on Instagram, it's at Devin Lebec. And if you want to donate to his cause, it is FitOps.org. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.